0: Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will
1: help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. And we're happy to have you listening to the show. We've been getting some really great feedback lately. Kurt, what's the latest? I haven't talked to you in a while.
0: It's been a while. Doing well, enjoying the sunshine, doing the traveling thing. Been enjoying being home this week, so that's a good thing. But I think winter's done. We're feeling good. It's getting ready for boating season.
1: Do you like traveling for business? I mean, is it healthy to get away for you, or does it just irritate you?
0: Oh, I think it's healthy. I get a lot of work done on those planes. Do you? (laughs) I no, I don't mind it. If I have a decent seat and getting there, focus, I can get a lot done two or three, four hours, international sixteen hours. What else can you do where you can sit alone for sixteen hours and get something done while they feed you and bring everything you need?
1: Well, and you have a a legitimate excuse to not answer your phone. Nobody can get mad at you. <laughs> so exactly.
0: Right? The phone's off. You're probably not on the internet. It gets old after a while, like in my last trip to where there was a mechanical, and we had to wait for the part to come in, and then oh, we yeah. it didn't come in, had to spend the night, and then flew out the next day, delayed, and we were coming in landing in Atlanta, and they aborted the landing, so I barely made it through on and on and on. everyone's gone through that that's when it gets old when the airline does not meet in their basic expectations.
1: I'm like you, I get a lot done on the way there. But just being there, I oh, you get really tired of traveling for business. I I was out all week last week, so maybe it's just extra sensitive right now. But man,
0: it's... <laughs> <laughs> and it depends what you're doing too. If it's a consulting job versus, you know, I love doing a three day event. It's fun, it's engaging, I'm meeting with people. But again, when it, that's done, as you know, I'm tired, I'm done. I want to go home, and I'm sleeping on the way home on that plane. It, yeah, it's not a very productive time for me because I am spent.
1: Yeah. Well, and on the other hand, if it's traveling to go sit on the beach and and get fat for a week, I can get used to it <laughs> real fast.
0: Yeah, if you go in the Caribbean and it's a week off, it's lounging in the sun, yeah, I can do that more than four or five times a year, maybe twice a month.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, enough about the travel banter. I was just curious because you know I've got I've got to go this week and next week again too. So, gets out of style, but. I got to Well, on say, the flip side, it's better
0: than staying home and twiddling your thumbs and having nothing to do. So you got to kind of weigh that both ways.
1: Well, you're assuming that that's all I have to do. What if I've actually got <laughs> stuff going
0: on? Uh, I, I can't. I know. No, that can't happen.
1: No. Yeah. You, am I the next on the list to be insulted?
0: Hey, we got to get everybody. Everybody <sighs> on the list.
1: Yeah, we don't discriminate. We're going to insult ourselves, too. So we're We're not above this. Well, we're going to talk today about the law of connectivity and actually making people like you. The rumor has it that uh, that matters.
0: Yes, it does. I mean, when you really look at people liking you, it's huge. Two scenarios. The number one reason doctors are sued, because the patient didn't like them, even if it's not the doctor that didn't make the mistake, they find the one they didn't like the most. And on the flip side... Monitoring two CEOs, multi-million dollar deal, both companies are equal, the product's about the same cost, they went with company B. CEO, why did you go with company B? Huh, I like them better. (laughs) (laughs) And it does come down to that because when you like somebody, you look for everything you like about them and the product or service, you dislike somebody, the opposite happens. You're looking for all the reasons not to like them.
1: So true, so true. I have a neighbor and I'm going to be intentionally vague here because I don't want him to to have any issues. But he sells software to a government bureaucracy. You can tell I'm just being super vague, but that's his job. And he's not thrilled about the management right now of his company. They've got somebody in there that's teaching him how to sell. And they're saying, you've got to get the sale. You've got to close on the first call. You've got to go for it. And you guys aren't trying to do this. And you're leaving money on the table. And my neighbor is not super happy about this guy because he comes from an industry where that works. But if you, Kurt, or anybody listening to the podcast today has ever done, you know, high-tech sales, especially to the government, I mean, that's not happening. You're going to just have to get lucky, right? Assume that you go in there on the day that they're looking to make the purchase. But these people really have a process, right? And more often than not, the decision is not made based on price a lot of times it's made on who they have the best relationship and who has taken the time to be there. I mean, isn't that right?
0: Yeah, I can't think of a government product that would close on the first time unless it was pencils or something like that, but you're right on. There's systems, there's issues, all these things come into play, there's bids, but when that relationship is there, when you have a history together, when they like you more, they're going to lean towards you. That's human nature. Well, it shouldn't happen. Well, okay, but it does.
1: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. The bureaucratic sale... They've got a process that they're going to follow, and no amount of connectivity or, or one-line or closing skills is, is going to change that. But the person who invests in the relationship and takes time to develop trust and, and builds value, when the bureaucracy is ready to make the decision, they're going to be the guy that gets it because they took the time to do that. You know, the late Dr. Stephen R. Covey talked about, and this is more in personal relationships, but he talked about the emotional bank account. You remember how... You've got to make more deposits than withdrawals into that. And people are going to feel indebted to you to make those decisions when you've taken the time to build that trust. And I think ironic, Kurt, it's when you approach the sale of I genuinely want to help this person and do what's best for them. That's what unlocks the true connectivity. And you usually get the sale when you're willing to lose the sale. Or am I out in left field there? No,
0: you're right. It's changed quite a bit. It's interesting when you look at the numbers. And here's the one thing, listeners, the one thing to remember from today is that when people like you and trust you, you have a 90% chance of influence. When they don't like you and they don't trust you, you have a 10% chance. It doesn't matter if you have the greatest product or service in the world. If they don't like you and they don't trust you, it does not matter. Now, here's the interesting thing. On the flip side, one of the big complaints as we talk to people after you've tried to influence them is they said they're getting too friendly too fast. Like, well, wait a minute, Kurt. They're getting too friendly too fast, but you have to have people skills. Like you mentioned, you have to be sincere. You have to be willing to build a relationship. You have to be willing to lose a cell. You have to be willing to say, you know, this is not appropriate to you versus the cheesy one-call-closure we'll call and it comes into someone's office and, talks about the fish on the wall or the family or things that are insincere and things that are obviously they don't care about, then that is getting too friendly too fast. When you're asking personal questions and the connection's not there and there is no trust, then it's going to have the opposite effect. So if you can truly understand and get to know the person and build the trust and learn how to connect and build the rapport, then all of a sudden you become a power persuader.
1: That's a good point. And the best persuaders I've found – are the ones who can really walk that line because it's an art and a science at the same time. You said we're not thinkers that feel, we're feelers that think. And and people want some value established, right? They want a little bit of logic to kind of open that door for trust. But if that's all you rely on, you're never going to accomplish anything because we're feelers that think. So you've got to walk that line between the data dump and the too friendly too fast strike that right chord, because that's what will get people to open up and to want to do business with you.
0: Exactly. And like you said, it's an art and a science to read the person, to read their facial expressions. Have you given them a reason to listen? Because before people would spend some time to chit chat, chit chat, get to know each other. Now it's almost a lot of times there has to be some type of reason or what's in it for me. Okay, we need to talk. There's a reason to talk. Now we can get to know each other. So sometimes... We have to give them a reason up front why it's important that we visit and that we talk. Otherwise, we're getting into the too friendly, too fast and talking about things that might be too personal before they even know there's a reason to talk to you.
1: Because when you come on without the reason and somebody just is all super friendly to you all of a sudden, I mean, you just want to take a shower, right? <laughs> That's right. You feel so grossed out. What does this person want? I've even actively just rolled my eyes before <laughs> just thinking, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This is horrible. I don't want to have to endure this.
0: <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> that's so true. We're like, oh, are you kidding me? You're still using that? That is so old school. What are you talking about? And you're thinking, okay, do I interrupt them and say, okay, look, really? No. Let me let me tell you what you're doing wrong here versus letting them finish their too friendly too fast or their unconditional vomit that just throws you the wrong way and has the opposite where it's called. What do we call it? Anti-suasion to where There's no way you're going to let them persuade you on anything.
1: Oh, yeah. It's the equivalent to the cheesy pickup line in the bar that you see (laughs) on movies or in real life. And you just can't believe somebody used it. I mean, it's for the blunder reel. That's for sure. (laughs) You know, when you see construction
0: workers whistling at women, I was like, has that ever worked? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) And fine. Has that ever worked? But they're still doing it. I don't know why, but that's their pickup, and I don't think it's ever worked. So, listeners, if you've ever had that work or ever seen that work, please let us know, because I would love to. Talk yeah, to
1: you. yeah. I was just gonna say that. Maximize your influence at gmail.com. If you've got proof or a video of some hot lady walking by the construction site, which when does that ever happen? But <laughs> and the guy's whistling, she stops. Hey, you in the middle? Yeah, let's go. We would like to see this. Please send it into the show. Please,
0: I would like to see proof that the whistle has ever worked.
1: Because that construction worker's got skills. We can all learn from him.
0: I might need a new law of persuasion, the law of the whistle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes my daughter, she's six years old, and she'll say, Dad, let's play the copycat game. And I'll go, what? And she says, what? And now I'm playing the game, right? Mm -hmm. She, She thinks it's pretty funny. Now in persuasion especially in connectivity which is what we want to talk about today we're talking about mirroring and matching where you can to a degree mirror somebody's behavior and subconsciously there's going to be more of a rapport they're going to like you more there's plenty of statistical evidence that talks about this so how do we do that effectively and and not play the copycat game like my six-year-old daughter does
0: mirror and matching
1: exactly yeah, that's an interesting science.
0: A lot of it comes from NLP, neurolinguistic Programming, to mirror and match other's people. And this makes little people nervous. Am I mimicking? Am I making fun of people? And I dove into the research to try to kind of figure out what's going on with mirror and matching. And basically, when you're in rapport with somebody, you're mirroring and matching them. You watch two people at a party that have connected, that have that social synchronization, that have rapport. Their breathing rates have actually synchronized. Their energy levels, how fast they talk. They've taken a drink at the same time. Their postures very similar. It's not identical, but similar. So with mirror and matching, what the interesting thing is, you're accelerating a natural human function. One of the research studies I read was a college professor went to various restaurants and would pick someone about 10, 20 feet away.
1: Oh, I love this one. This is a guy. And that interesting
0: was you would take a bite at the same time, take a drink at the same time, wipe her face at the same time, and ultimately the person would come over. Do I know you? You seem very familiar to me. And that happened again and again and again. And again, you're just accelerating a natural human function. Now, a lot of people think mirror matching is just body language. Oh, they lean back, I lean back. They lean forward, I lean forward. They touch their nose, I touch my nose. It's not that. If you do that, you're going to freak them out anyway, so you might as well do nothing. <laughs> but there are different aspects to mirror matching. Again, you're accelerating something that's going to happen anyway when you have rapport. Mm-hmm. Now, body language does have something to do with that, obviously. If they're lean back, relaxing with their feet up on the desk, you don't want to be leaning forward with your elbows on the desk. That would be a disconnect for you. You might lean back a little bit. You're not going to put your feet on the desk, but similar to what they're doing, they might fold their arms. You might just do a semi-fold, all these different things you can do to kind of just mirror their body language. That's just one of the aspects. You might want to mirror their rate of speech. You might want to mirror some of the words they're using, meaning if they keep using some of these same words again and again, you might want to put those into some of your sentences. I think the biggest blunder here people have with mirror matching is energy level, where somebody in sales and persuasion long ago said, oh, it's enthusiasm to everything. You've got to be enthusiastic, be enthusiastic. Okay, that's fine. There's some great truth to that. But if you go into someone's office Monday morning, they haven't had their coffee, they had a bad week, and you're like, hey, it's a great day today. How are you doing? And oh, the world is great. And they're going to go, get out of here. You have repelled them. For example, if you call the Depression Hotline, let's say you're having a bad week and you call the Depression Hotline, and, and somebody answers and goes, "It's a great day at the Depression Hotline. How are you today?" Okay, there's going to be a disconnect. That there. guy's
1: fired. <laughs> it's like, what if the the person answering the phones at the mortuary did that too? You know? Yeah,
0: it's a great day at Berg's Mortuary. You stab him, we slab 'em.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. This, bad example. Bad example. But anyway. You're you're
0: right on to where enthusiasm has its place, but you need to mirror their energy and bring it up. If you can, bring it up, bring it, bring it up, bring it up. But you can't start at 10 when they're at a 1 because that will be a disconnect. That's true with body language. That's true with energy. That's true with vocal rate. All these things come into play. So you kind of want to mirror their posture, their energy, how they talk. I'm not saying try to do their accent. I mean, if you could do a perfect accent and and mirror that, that would be great. But I probably – not going to be able to pull it off. Not maybe, super just, likely, yeah. Yeah, and there's just simple things that you can mirror in the studies show. Again, it works. But the key thing to get through your brain is you're just accelerating what's going to happen naturally when you have a report. You're just speeding up the process, and it's just a natural thing all humans go through, and nobody's even thinking about it. Yeah. Now, if, if you're just mirroring them where they touch, you touch, they lean back, you lean back <laughs> – and you're going to freak them out. You could break the mirror. There are times to break the mirror, which are where if you're trying to make someone feel uneasy and uncomfortable in a deposition or in a negotiation, or as a football coach where you break their mirror and you want them to feel uncomfortable and you want to invade their space and you're doing everything opposite that they're doing, there might be a time and place for that. But for the most part, mirror matching is a powerful tool of connectivity.
1: Agreed, agreed. So you probably, correct me if I'm wrong here, but mirroring the mood and the energy level is probably something you want to do almost to the T of the other person. But the body language, the physical aspect, just kind of keep it in the same neighborhood, in the same general feel, not a pure mimic.
0: Exactly. It's not a second later. You might do it 10 seconds later. They slowly lean back, you slowly lean back. And it might be a different posture. And it's not, I would never put my feet on their desk. If they have their feet on their desk, that would be a little too much, too soon, too quick. But at least lean back and mirror that person and there'll be a little connection there. It makes a big difference.
1: Good call. Good call. So you had a a blunder because we've got Homer incoming. I don't know if you can hear, but there he is.
0: Oh, don't, don't, don't. There's Homer, our friend, the blunder. Yes. I was doing a training, a hard training in Cozumel, Mexico.
1: (laughs) You've got to do that. You know, somebody's got to do that training. Somebody's got to do it.
0: And and I'm a California sun person, and I love my nachos.
1: (laughs) Of course, we haven't got on food yet. We'll talk about nachos in a minute.
0: Those thick tortilla chips and a little guac, some great pico de gallo. The challenge with Mexico is they don't really know what sour cream is. That's an American thing for yeah nachos, and I love sour cream and nachos, and luckily, this place put out a version of sour cream. It was pretty runny, but it did the trick they it, gave it made it me a dirty. try yeah. yeah, I gave it a try, and so afternoon nachos, well, train in the morning. Afternoon jog on the beach, afternoon nachos, train in the evening. So it was pretty good all the way around. But you anyway. You going to
1: do that jog somehow, right? Pound that's a right. a bunch of nachos. Because so
0: I would break even, right? That's going to break even. Yeah,
1: well, if you're not careful, you'll get skinny and fit if you're going to go running every day.
0: Yeah, you don't do that. I might take that pill like we talked about before and lose too much weight. Got to be careful. Yep. Yeah, watch <laughs> out. <laughs> so I'm relaxing, eating my nachos. And here's the approach by this young lady with the smile. She... Came up and said, how's everything going? How's the food? How's the service? And she was being way nice. little too nice. No one had ever asked before. No one ever cared before so she was up. a
1: timeshare salesman or a prostitute which one
0: <laughs> she was the latter she, no i guess she was the first was <laughs> <She's> the <laughs> latter that one right she <laughs> was timeshare but you know how those alarm bells goes off wait a minute they're too nice they must want something what's going on no one's that nice why does she care what's in it for her what's going on you know those alarm bells just going ding 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 yeah yeah up. no one's cared before now they care <laughs> so they really cares about my nachos and how i'm doing and if I'm getting too much sun, I'm like, wait a minute. And it was insincere. It was false. She, you could tell she was just going through the motions, and it had the opposite effect. And of course, after all that, it was, invite, was the invite to the timeshare presentation, which I was tempted to do just for research, but you know, there wasn't a lot of time for that, and I declined. But the big thing was, when you get too friendly too fast, you're, when you're not sincere, there's no what's in it for me. People are wanting what's going on. Those alarm bells are going off it's going to backfire on you every time.
1: Yeah. You know, one of my mentors, Kurt, told me that uh, selling is a lot like farming. They both require just the right amount of BS. <laughs> <laughs> now, this this uh, salesperson at Mexico was over-fertilizing, needless to say, right? Uh,
0: over-fertilizing, and, and nothing was planted.
1: Yeah, right. It, it that's the three, thing. I nothing is planted. He planted everything.
0: Yeah. So listeners, make sure you plant the what's in it for me or why they should get, should care, then you could fertilize it, but don't pre-fertilize before anything's planted because it's just a waste of your time.
1: And nobody likes somebody who's just walking around uh, spreading bull crap for no reason. <laughs> we're, we're cleaning the podcast up here, but it is a good analogy, nonetheless. Get that edge out of it. I mean, like we said, there has to be a reason. And uh, I think, you know, maybe if uh, she had a good personality, some good charisma, and she could grab attention with something then that would have gone somewhere, but too much bullcrap, no no planting.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay. Sorry to, to bring in the tacky analogy there. Um, <laughs> it worked. It worked. All right. Well, we'll see. we we'll get the mail. That ultimately <laughs> determines what works. <laughs> Did you like our farming analogy? Go ahead and let us know at Influence at Gmail. And if you like my shameless plugs, let us know there too. Because, and if you have a better yeah.
0: one, let us know. love <laughs> yeah, to hear we, your feedback.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we kind of went backwards today. Usually we lead with an article, but I just kind of got going. I'm a loose cannon like that. And we still need to cover an article because you had a pretty good one about how computers are apparently better at detecting fakers or liars or manipulators. They're better at that than actual people are. And this has to do with the facial action coding system, which the if any of you ever watched that TV show that was on a few years ago called Lie to Me which was a a pretty good show. It was pretty interesting. But uh, apparently computers are better at this, Kurt. Take it away.
0: They do. This article doesn't mention anything about the FACS, or Facial Action Coding System. That's Dr. Ekman, who can look at every expression and know exactly, okay, that's fear, that's indifference, that's frustration, because our faces do these micro-expressions, and if you're trained, you can pick up on them. They don't mention them, but that's what they've trained the computer to do when people would pretend to show pain and then really have pain. I don't know if they had a... Shock test or a hammer to get the pain. But it's always, you know, in psychologists, they always want pain. They always want the shock test. So I'm assuming it's going to be a shock test. That is their thing. I don't know if they need to be analyzed why they want to give everyone pain, but that's a whole other story. But basically, they found that a computer system could spot fakers better than people. This was Marion Bartlett, who's a research professor at the University of California, San Diego's Institute for Neural Computation. She's the one who kind of put this all together. And basically found that humans can simulate facial expressions and fake emotions well enough to deceive most of the people most of the time. Because the computer was reading those micro expressions and the people weren't able to. Half the time they were right, half the time they were wrong. And as you know, 50-50, that's really not telling us much. So the research team found that humans could not discriminate between real and fake expressions of pain better than random chance. Now, after they were trained, accuracy improved quite a bit, but it wasn't even close to the computer's accuracy because the way our brains are built, people can simulate emotions a lot of times, and they can fool us. Now, computers are great, and this is my take on the article. I believe that, yes, we can read just as well as a computer if you're looking for it, if you know what to look for and if you stop and spend the time to look for it, but most people, A, they've never been trained, and B... They're just in a data dump. C, they're just thinking about themselves. D, they just keep going without really reading the person. That if they just spend the time to shut up, be educated on what to look for, and spend the time to read these emotions on emotional intelligence, then you can read these emotions. You can listen to your own instinct and subconscious, and it'll tell you what's going on if you'll stop and listen. And if you're trained, you could do just as well as a computer. If you're just going into a situation, a persuasion situation, and not really listening, then you're going to have the opposite approach. I mean, you could walk around a mall and someone says, hey, how's it going? You're like terrible. They're like, oh, that's great. Okay. They're not listening. They don't care. And if you can stop and really care and truly listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart, then all of a sudden you can read people like a book just as well as a computer. I think it's shameful that a computer did so well, but I don't think it's because it's more intelligent. I think it's because most people just don't take the time to train themselves or take the time to even listen how to do it.
1: Yeah, the computer can just pay attention to that. It doesn't have all these other social things happening in the brain simultaneously.
0: Exactly. It's what it's focusing on. It's what it's trained to do. It doesn't have to worry about what to eat, that it's hungry, the relationship, what to study, what's going on, problems at work. The news, whatever's going on, all those things going through our brain at the same time does affect our ability to read facial
1: expressions. Take that, computers. We made <laughs> you and we can break you too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that they have that in casinos where they analyze people playing blackjack or whatever to see if they're experiencing genuine surprise when they're winning and if they exhibit fake surprise more than a certain amount of times then they're thinking, okay, this guy's counting cards and we're going to send the pit boss down there to loom around him and, and scare him away. I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but Sangu- it's kind of cool if it is.
0: Send Guido down there to take care of things. Well, I did hear the NSA was practicing with some things to read people's facial expressions, not only to see if their face is on the wanted list, but also to pick up nervousness and fear and a few other things where they can kind of red flag them as they go through the line
1: what isn't the nsa doing
0: well that's what scares me i don't think we know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <geez. laughs> more than we think they're doing that i can tell you so i don't know but it's probably these cameras are probably all over the place they're probably on satellites right now where they can read our facial expressions well maybe that wouldn't work if it's coming straight just maybe just read the top of our head and it can tell our emotions yeah by the, by the heat our our brains are emitting.
1: (laughs) Well, good news listeners. If your computer crashes and the hard drive melts down, just call the NSA. They've got a backup.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's the ultimate backup. We got to quit paying for backup. It's already done.
1: I'm sure you could just go knock on their door and ask nicely. Let us know how that goes for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You try it first.
1: Yeah. You try. Let us know. And then we'll do it. You
0: somebody be the (laughs) guinea pig.
1: (laughs) Well, good. Kurt, anything else you want to add before we shut her down for the day?
0: Just want to remind you that we talk about connectivity. We talk about people skills and 90% of all people rate their people skills above average. We know it's not true. We know that you can connect with people that are like you. You need to learn to connect with as many different types of personalities as possible. No one has arrived in their people skills. No one has arrived in their ability to generate rapport no one has arrived in the village of mirror match. This is something we're always perfecting, always working on, always fine tuning because this skill is huge. If they don't like you, nothing else really matters. So you got to go back up to the number one thing, get them to like you, get them to trust you. Then all of a sudden, influence becomes very simple for you.
1: Sounds good, Kurt. Everybody, thanks for listening. Send us your feedback to maximize your influence at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on BlackBerry Marketplace, Windows Marketplace, and you can always go to the website of MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We'll catch you next week. See you next week.